Hello, and you're very welcome to another edition of The Others, The Alan Kinsella Podcast, where we look at small parties, groups and independents that have contested Irish elections over the years. This week, it's the turn of the Legion of Ex-Servicemen uh, slash British Legion, who contested local elections um, in 1925, 1928 and 1934. They stood primarily to promote the aims of the organisation with regard to getting housing and so on for ex-British servicemen. And also a lot of them were unemployed and getting jobs for them. Uh, and, and, and also, although not not related to council business, they would have uh, tried hard to get pensions and stuff for ex-servicemen. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, please do, and leave reviews, etc. If you want to contact me, I'm at electionlit on Twitter, Irish Political Ephemera on Facebook, irishelectionliterature.com is the website irishelectionliterature.gmail.com and if you're really bored I'm at electionlit on TikTok thanks whilst of course we now associate the British Legion uh, with the poppy and you know the annual thing in November the, the controversies over footballers wearing the poppy and people selling the poppy and so on in 1921, the British Legion was set up and it was primarily for veterans of the First World War. And to help integrate them back into society, you know, through jobs, housing, but also medical needs, you know, obviously there was people injured um, in, in the First World War, but there was also, you know, um, people's mental health uh, wasn't great because of the First World War and fighting and so on either. Now it seems there was a class element to it um, as Mark Garnett and Richard Waite wrote it was a product of the First World War and the combination of altruism towards and fear of the working class the social dislocation caused by veterans mental and physical trauma coupled with the industrial unrest and disillusionment with war as an instrument of foreign policy, made the need to bring officers and men together in one body seemingly more pressing. Naturally, at the same time, we hadn't yet gained independence. So there was a British Legion set up in Ireland. Now, in Ireland, it was called the Legion of Ex-Servicemen initially. Um, and obviously was looking, helping, helping people with their pension applications to the British government or indeed appealing. Very often, you know, somebody applied for a pension and they didn't get what they were looking for or only got a paltry amount. So they would appeal and help, help the former soldier or their families um, and dependents appeal, you know, that pension should be bigger and the pension of course was paid by the British government they were also very pro-treaty and would have taken be there's records of Legion of ex-servicemen um, in pro-treaty parades and 
and demonstrations and so on. And they would have been very much uh, active on the pro-treaty side. Um, I suppose in the Civil War, but also in, in elections and so on. And so naturally, they would have been supportive uh, of coming the Gale, as opposed to you know, as opposed to 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 the anti-treaty side initially, but uh, as I say, they 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 were a pro-treaty group. So to get their influence. Um, and actually, the, you know, there was quite a large membership considering the number of Irish that had fought in the First World War from the South that had fought, fought in the First World War. And as I say, it wasn't just the men, it was their dependents and families as well. So, for instance, if somebody had, you know, couldn't work, you know, there was a, an entitlement to compensation and a, and a pension and so on there. And of course, with regard to the, I suppose now, international, uh, with, you know, the, the Ireland having gained, or the Republic of Ireland, with the, the free state having gained independence uh, to a degree, there was also an international aspect of it. So the Legion was putting pressure and applying pressure all the time on the government to communicate with Britain and, and to press on their members' behalves um, the, their members' um, interests. So this is a report from 1924 and gives an idea of what the Legion were, were, were pressing for. On Saturday, the third, Mr. Sean Lyons TD addressed the Legion of ex-servicemen in their club in King Street on their housing claims. Mr Garvey, secretary of the Athlone branch of the Legion, opened the proceedings by saying their TD for Westmead and Longford had come there that day on their behalf, his object being to try and obtain more houses for ex-servicemen of Athlone. Mr Lyons had but himself to do everything possible for them and he was quite sure they had had him at their back, ready to give his assistance. They would be able to get a greater number of houses when they were absolutely necessary and essential in the town of Athlone. They had from 12 to 1400 ex-servicemen in the town, and they had only got 19 houses for those recently. Now, through the onerous work of Mr Moore, they had been told by the Commission of Trust that they were allowed 10 houses more. These would be built practically immediately, but they wanted to go further into the question and get the assistance of Mr Lyons TD for Mr Moore, who was one of their greatest benefactors, and get still more houses. After all, proceeded Mr Garvey, there were only 19 houses built and 10 more would only be 29, and could we possibly put 1,400 ex-servicemen into 29 houses? The great British government for which we endured such hardship during the Great War, made promises of providing enough houses for the heroes to live in. But look around the slums of Athlone and we see UCs and DCs living in places not fit for habitation, human habitation. 
Continuing, Mr. Garvey said he did not wish to detain them very long because Mr. Lyons, who was willing to give every assistance, had but a limited time, and he wanted to get away. He would disclose what he will do. He would obtain the assistance of various other people on the advisory committee with Mr. Moore, who had done everything and lost a lot for the benefit of ex-servicemen of Athlone. They all knew that having behind them such men as Mr. Lyons, there were no doubt but greater things would come. He wished to be clearly understood that the houses allotted after they had sent a deputation to the Housing Trust Commission were to be supplemented through the personal influences of Mr. Moore with the members of the Commission by 10 more, for which sanction had been obtained. Where they were to be built, he did not know. It would have to go to the members themselves where the houses would be built, whether on the Connacht side or the Leinster side of the town. That would come on a general meeting thing. So long as the houses were in, within a reasonable distance of the town, it would be all right. They did not want to go out too far because men working in the woolen industry, etc. in Athlone would not like to have delicate youngsters to walk in two or three miles before work. It would not be right. With the able assistance of Mr. Lyons for Mr. Moore, he dared to say they would be able to procure not alone 10, but 40 or 50 in the near future. If they could take the great promises of Mr. Lloyd George in his time and Mr. Asquith in his time and those who administered the great things of the British Empire. They were all aware they were now living in what was termed a free state and everyone was highly delighted to be in that position and that free state government if the assistance of Mr. Lyons and other TDs in the labour movement would help them to attain greater things. Mr. Garvey concluded by asking Mr. Lyons to expound what he intended doing for them. And he was sure he could give the greatest support in everything that would be for the benefit of the ex-servicemen. Mr. Lyons TD said he had not come to make a speech, but for the purpose of trying to find out the exact number of men who had joined the British Army from the town of Athlone. The number of houses required at present, and the number originally asked for by that organisation on behalf of its members in Athlone. Also the number granted. In addition, he wanted to know whether any allotments of land were in the hands of the government at present, and whether there were any available sites for the purpose of building houses for ex-servicemen. In his interview he had had with Mr Brown, 29 Lower Fitzwilliam Street, Dublin, and the Secretary of the Housing Trustees, he was satisfied all they required in this part of the country was to bring a little bit of pressure to bear on the minds of those gentlemen who had given their time in that office absolutely free. They are not like the men we have acting on behalf of the National Army ex-servicemen, remarked Mr Lyons, who if they turn on their heel they have to get paid for it. They were the men who worked for the British government and had given their work for nothing and did their utmost for whom went out to fight for the benefit of small nations. Proceeding, Mr Lyons said he wanted to get better houses for the people at loan. There was not a family in the town that had not someone out fighting in the Great War, either a son, a father or some relation. There were something like 1,400 men joined the army and in other parts of the constituency represented they had obtained 60 houses though they had a less number of men in the army than Athlone. And he went on, but you, you get the idea. Uh, one, one, you get the idea of the strength of numbers of ex-servicemen um, in Athlone. And of course, Athlone wasn't alone, but throughout the country. 
and you get the demands, you get the housing and so on. So it's quite quite interesting. I could read the whole lot, but it, it's just gives you an idea of, of what they were uh, what they were doing. Housing wasn't, of course, their only issue. Their object was to find work for every ex-serviceman and to look after the widows and the dependents of those who served in the late war and to do good work for each other as legionaries and make the clubs as comfortable and as efficient as they possibly could. And this, you, know, you get reports of meetings around the country and these are the same themes that constantly come up. And in 1925, there was local elections and they decided that they would run candidates. There was talk of candidates in Kerry, candidates in Waterford. And the only ones I could find were that actually ran were those in Waterford, where they ran two candidates. And both were elected. Mr. Thomas Cullen, it was an alderman, elected in the Centre Ward for Waterford Corporation, and Captain J.H. Clark of the Legion of Ex-Servicemen, elected for the Tower Ward. So by being on the council, they felt they could influence, especially housing, but other issues as well with regard to ex-servicemen. It was quite a success electorally as well, have these people elected. Now, Waterford in particular would have been still, uh, there would have been a Redmond night, Redmondite, um, the strong Redmondite presence within Waterford. And the Waterford Legion would have been at Redmond commemorations and so on. And actually, as an aside, all the talk of houses and everything and the efforts to get housing. It also caused issues on the other side in that uh, where British Legion or Legion of Ex-Servicemen people were getting houses. Very often, you know, those who were Republican or some Republicans in the community who felt, you know, they had fought for the free state or fought in the fought in the war of independence and or in the civil war and so on and felt more deserving than somebody who had fought in the first world war for for a, a foreign force um of housing and that and that caused some difficulties and then later on well not later on but you also had cases of but I suppose post post civil war in some areas having been anti treaty was not a, wouldn't have done you a favour. Um, so in housing and all the rest, um, and again they would have been certain people would have been particularly bitter towards um, ex servicemen, ex British servicemen, um, getting housing and jobs and so on um, ahead of them. All the while, of course, the British Legion uh, would run concerts, variety entertainment, all sorts of events, and they had particular bands and everything, and ran all sorts of events as fundraisers for the Legion and, by extension, uh, their aims. 
in, I think, 1926, the Legion of Ex-Servicemen changed their name to the British Legion Ireland, to the Irish branch. Although some still kept the label, the British Legion of Ex-Servicemen. There were a number of uh, local elections in 1928, and I couldn't find any candidates uh, who ran um, for the British Legion or Legion of Ex-Servicemen. Uh, when investigating the results, now it's there's not much out there on Urban District, you know, the, the UDCs and corporations and, and so on from that era. Um, so maybe there were candidates that I missed. But in 1934, and this is it again, local elections keep getting put off. They weren't on a statutory basis. So it was 1934, the next local, major local elections. Like, for instance, there would have been Dublin City local elections in, you know, the way everything, everything is held, you know, the council, the local elections tend to be held with something else now, and uh, they're all together. It wasn't the case back then. Yes, you know, you might have... Um, you might have local and, and urban on the one day, but very often you would have, um, say, elections in Sligo on one day, and elections in Dublin on another, and elections in Cork on another. So it wasn't quite uniform as it is now. In 1934, uh, there were a number of candidates ran, actually, for the British Legion. In Mayo... Uh, for Ballina Urban Council, Captain Orr Stevens was running as a British Legion candidate. And indeed, he was elected without an election, as there was initially 19 candidates for the 15 seats, but four of the candidates withdrew, which meant that he was automatically returned. So the British Legion had a councillor there in Ballina. For Tipperary Urban Council, um, H.J. Loftus or Daly were running, and W. Casey were all running as ex-servicemen British Legion. And Casey was elected, um, W. Casey was elected to uh, Tipperary Urban Council. In Yall, C. Watson ran for the British Legion and was elected um, to Yall Urban Council. So it was a nationwide, you know, it wasn't uh, confined to cities or anything. It was actually a nationwide organisation, and indeed still is a nationwide organisation. As far as I'm aware, 1934, well, I've, I've looked, I've, I've been searching and looking up uh, old results as far as I'm aware, 1934 was the last local elections that candidates stood um, under the British Legion or Legion of Ex-Servicemen uh, banner. But if anyone has any further candidates or information or anything on them, I'd love to know. And again, the work that they did, it kind of evolved from pensions and to mostly housing and also, as I said before, trades and getting, 
you know, the, the rights of former, for former um, members of the British Army, especially those, especially those who fought in the First World War. That, you know, getting housing and health care and, and so on, as opposed to just just pensions, which was really pensions and housing, which was initially thing. And of course, trying to get jobs and work um, for for their their members. And of course, now. They're, they are still going, they're probably best known for their pop, poppy appeal every November, I think it is. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks to everybody who's subscribed to the podcast. Thanks especially to those who subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash election it. And as ever, if you like an episode, share it on social media, tell your friends and, and so on. Thanks very much.